This is the Next Simple Step Podcast. I'm Paul Goldsmith. If you have a creative dream, but you don't know what to do with it, or maybe you're working in a job right now, but wish you were doing something else, something more creative, stick around because inspiration is on the way. And I think you're going to love today's guest, Heather Parody. She was a therapist and then became an online entrepreneur. And now she hosts a podcast called Unconventional Leaders, which from my perspective, it's all about people who are pursuing their unique calling in the world to make a difference. So you're going to want to check that out. Heather, did I get that right? Your path has been somewhat unconventional. So tell us, first of all, what is an unconventional leader and what's the secret to becoming one? Oh, wow. (laughs) What's the secret to becoming one? Yeah. Tell us. I used to think that some people felt like an outsider and other people didn't. And over the past few years, I've been realizing that we all feel a little outside of the box. That's a human experience type piece. So when I started this project several years ago, I was thinking, I want to reach the folks who are outside of the box. And the more I've been leaning in, I've been realizing that maybe the mission of this project, because sometimes it likes to tell me what it is, (laughs) is to help folks tap into that unconventional side to them that we all have. Because I believe that that's where God likes to hide calling and our strongest power is in our quirks. And if you think about the scripture that says, I use what, you know, the weak to shame the strong, I am totally butchering this, but I use what sets you apart pretty much to defy everything else. So that's really the heartbeat behind what we're doing. And the reason we started it is I say, we, me, (laughs) is when I started on this journey, I only saw the buttoned up pretty stuff. And when I say this journey, I mean, personal development, trying to get yourself better. It was all these folks and nothing wrong with it, but it was just like one brand of things where I have the suit on the blazer, I'm standing on stage, I'm making millions of dollars, you know, I got the perfect family, whatever. And it just didn't relate to me. So I was like, well, I want to have conversations with the people who have converses and maybe aren't millionaires, but they're changing their city through their nonprofit or whatever it may be. Those are leaders too. And we need to tell their story and that's purpose and that's success too. So that's where it kind of started from. As far as the secret to becoming an unconventional leader, again, I think it's this hyper awareness, hyper acceptance of what sets you apart and leaning into it. Well, one thing that I really connected with your content that you put out, and I think another way of putting it is you're stepping out of the shadows into using your unique giftings in the world and not apologizing for it because it might not look like what a conventional leader looks like, if you will. And when you talk about in the self-help development world, I mean, Tony Robbins is uniquely Tony Robbins, but there's only one of him, right? And you don't have to be like Tony to help inspire and motivate people or whatever the case may be, whatever your pursuit is, stepping out of the shadows and something I've really connected with your content. You're a reader as am I and a favorite book, The Artist's Way from Julia Cameron. And she talks a lot about this whole idea of being a shadow artist. And I wondered if you could speak about that because what she says really resonates too intimidated to become artists themselves very often too low in self-worth to even recognize they have an artistic dream these people become shadow artists instead. And artists love other artists. Very often, audacity, not talent, makes one person an artist and another a shadow artist, hiding in the shadows, afraid to step out and expose the dream to light, fearful that it will disintegrate to touch. Shadow artists often choose shadow careers, those close to the desired art, but not the art itself. How does that sit with you? That makes me want to cry. It just, it just, uh, man, God... 
and it's not that it's bad or shameful to have another career because so much of this is conditioning and so much of this, maybe you didn't grow up in an environment where things were nurtured in you, where you were told that you could do something outside of the box, that you have what it takes. I mean, there is an element of acknowledgement of what your little heart as a kid was told growing up and how that affects you as an adult. So there's a lot of empathy there. Now, do we sit in that? No. So when you read that, my heart, first of all, just breaks because the quote shadow artist she's talking about are generations of children that their hands were slapped or maybe they grew up in an environment where there wasn't enough food or we can't even think about dreams because our basic needs aren't met. So there's so much healing that comes into this creative work. And that's what I'm really trying to raise more awareness of because people are like, oh, isn't that cute? You're a photographer. Do you know how much inner work it takes to show your work to somebody? A ton. And that's what she's talking about here is maybe it wasn't nurtured in you. So you chose a quote shadow career, something that's almost in alignment, but still not fulfilling you and fulfilling that need. And the fear that she's talking about for me has been this deep, deep fear of being a beginner out loud in front of people. It's really embarrassing when you know what something could be, but you might not have the tools or the expertise to bring it to that level. So I'll use myself as an example. These videos that I'm making, I'm constantly making mistakes in it, constantly. So the other day I posted one and the audio was only playing through the left ear and not the right one. So I had all these comments of people saying like, oh my gosh, you need to fire your editor. And I'm like, I'm the editor, Paul, you know, (laughs) but I had a new mic and I didn't know the setting and I effed up the setting. So I had to change that. And I could be like, oh my gosh, I suck. I'm not a good artist. Or it's like, this is the process. Are you willing to be a beginner in front of people and not take to heart your mistakes? And that's something that we all have to really come to terms to. And I believe that you only can overcome that when you have such a deep, deep vision of why you're doing what you're doing, because then it's not about you anymore and your ego and your perfection. It's about a deeper work that you feel called to do. Done is better than perfect. And I was listening to your podcast on a run and I have that headband that goes around behind your head while you run the shocks. And I noticed that the left channel thing and I'm just like, oh, she'll figure it out, right? I didn't sit there and judge you as a creative. And so I appreciate that you shared that because I definitely am a recovering perfectionist and really that's fear. Perfectionism is fear that you're going to put it out there and somebody's going to view you less than perfect. And they're going to judge you for that. But that is taking the ego out of it, right? And it's like, you know what? I'm a human. I'm going to make mistakes, but at least I'm putting it out there. And if somebody doesn't like it, it's not for them. That's okay. I know you interviewed Seth Godin. He talks a lot about that, knowing who it's for and ignoring everybody else. Yeah. And I grew up in an environment, a very religious environment, and I was taught that perfection is godliness. I understand the heart behind where that comes from, but it also put me in this trap where I was afraid to move because I thought I'm disappointing X, I'm not showing good leadership, I'm not being the high standard or whatever unless things are perfect. I really had to unravel a lot of that and realize that it was coming from a place again of we want to be represented well because of our ego versus serving people. Because you know this, if someone's hungry, yes, a hot meal may be better. But if all you have is a cold sandwich, they're going to take it. 
and maybe you're at a skill set and a level where you, it, as much as it depends on you, you're doing everything that you know how, you're trying the absolute hardest and no one can tell you that you're not. And you know in your heart you are. When it still comes out imperfectly and you've tried your very best, we have to know that there's still people that that can serve. Again, back to that scripture again, use what's weak to shame the strong, right? And it's not about just half, you know, wetting it. It's about letting go of our impossible standards and knowing that our humanness is actually a gift. Wow. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, there was only one perfect human and God doesn't call us to be perfection, right? He calls us to be faithful Yeah. in my perspective. And Jesus didn't wait for people to get everything perfect. He said, follow me. He said, you don't have to get this perfect. That I don't see that in scripture. And so I love that. And in fact, to be human means you're going to make mistakes that you're forgiven, you're loved, you're accepted. And so use your unique gifting, put it out in the world, and it's going to help people rather than some polished or fake version, if you will, the highlight reel online. And it's okay, as you said, to be a beginner again. And I really resonated with that shadow artist thing because having worked in radio for so many years, I was around a lot of broadcast professionals, professional storytellers, but it took about 20 years for me to launch this podcast because I thought, you know what? I have something to say. I want to add my voice to the mix. And I realized that I'm just one guy and I don't have to compete with or compare myself to comparison truly is the thief of all joy to anybody else that, you know, is just being uniquely themselves. Absolutely. So I think that's really been a unifying message of your story in being an unconventional leader and just kind of meeting people where they're at. I love that. And so you mentioned being a photographer. What was it like going from behind the camera to now you do Instagram and TikTok reels and they're growing in popularity to being in front of the camera all the time? Was that a quick transition or how did that come about and how does that feel? Well, my personality, I've always been the type of person to communicate. I mean, when I was a little girl, I would set up a church service with all my teddy bears and I would stand up on the fireplace and give sermons all the time. And when I played pretend, it was always about communication. I had, you know, little fake bands and I was the president at one point and, you know, I was a pastor. I was always communicating. So I think the gift there for communication has always been there. Now, I'm glad you brought up the photography piece because there's one thing I've been learning is skill stacking and thinking through that our seasonal callings, because, you know, we have like our big calling and then we have our seasonal callings. Even if it doesn't make sense in this moment, it's amazing how skill sets can compound over time and come back into play. And so sometimes when you're in the season and you're like, oh my gosh, I really feel like I should be doing this, but this isn't what I want to do long-term. You have no idea how things are being orchestrated in your favor to come back into play. So with photography, I learned shutter speed and aperture and lighting, and I have great equipment. And I ended up leaving that and put my camera physically and metaphorically up in my closet. And when I felt the nudge to start doing storytelling online and so forth, bringing that camera down as simple as it sounds and whatever, it was a huge advantage because I understood how to set things up and I had some of the equipment. And so, yeah, there's the communication side. No, it wasn't hard. It was natural. But the technical side, I'm just grateful for the years I spent taking people's family photos, <laughs> you know, in some field with a blanket because I had no idea it'd come into play with what I'm doing now. Man, that rings true. Nothing's wasted, right? So if it doesn't make sense right now, just hold on because someday you'll look back and realize, oh, 
that thing I didn't really like that I struggled with. Now it's helping me in this whole new context. And totally, I heard that before. I didn't really believe it, but now I've seen it in my own life. And people are people, right? So no matter what field you're in, you have to learn to connect with people. And storytelling is universal. So that's a skill set that transfers to any career or creative pursuit that you might have. Absolutely. And you have done a number of conversations about this idea of overcoming resistance. And sometimes it's internal, sometimes it's external. Can you talk about what you've learned from these other unconventional leaders or maybe you personally about what it looks like to overcome that resistance? Yeah. So, you know, the book Internal Mindset, this idea of internal and external control. And my husband and I were just talking about this last night, this victim mentality. I used to just be a lot harsher with victim mentality than I am now because over the past few years, I've been diving in deep with, this is controversial, but it's true, the conversation around privilege and advantage and that there are people who, I mean, having a mom and a dad love you and be in your life, you know, people always think privilege, it's money. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with there are things that some folks genuinely don't have from the very, very beginning. And it does impact your life. If your dad was not there, come on. <laughs> so, oh, a thousand percent. When I talk about external and internal locus of control, I want to go on the less extreme end where you're like, don't be a victim. You suck it up, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> because there are people in this world who healing, healing, deep, deep healing. There is that. So let's put that to the side, okay? Now, internal, external locus of control, this resistance thing. When I think of, oh my goodness, I don't have this, I don't have that, I just wasn't talented, I don't, blah, 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 blah. We have to be hyper, hyper aware when that's coming up and we're displacing our responsibility onto something else and not taking ownership of it. So if I was given the gift to paint, I have the desire to paint, maybe the painting is nothing to do with me and everything to do with the impact I could be making through it. So when that resistance comes up, instead of displacing this of like, oh my goodness, I don't have what I need. This isn't in my cards, whatever. Recognizing when that comes up, because sometimes that's resistance. Sometimes the resistance, you know, is the fear of whatever people think, blah, 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 or just overthinking it. A lot of people have that piece. I mean, there's so many ways that it manifests itself. A recurring theme through the show has been really changing our narrative around resistance as something to really be grateful for and actually embrace because it is literally like a signpost of the next version of you. When you know you have resistance around something, you can become really curious and be like, wow, what is it about getting on in front of a camera I think I want to do it, but why is it that I won't? And seeing that as a hint that God is something huge for you, obviously, about being on camera, because there would be zero reason for you to have massive resistance around something unless it was covering up the next version of you, right? And so if you go back to old school, like Bible days, you know, teaching of like, I don't know how you grew up, but my mom always taught me like, you know, Satan's going to tempt you, you know, Satan this and Satan that or yeah. whatever. And like, I've kind of wrestled with that, of this idea of like, why would fear randomly, is fear random? Why would it randomly sit its butt 
in one particular area of your life unless it's doing what its job is and it's hiding greatness from you. So if I get fear and I get resistance, oh my goodness, there's something there, something beautiful there. Now that's easier said than done, right? But when we can think of it in those terms as something to be grateful for and excited about, it might help. I've come to believe that all growth comes on the other side of fear and we all get afraid. That's just an indication we're coming up against something that, as you said, we need to get curious about and discover why we're resisting that and learn about ourselves. But I really appreciate Jocko Willink and his idea of extreme ownership and this idea when you're going to hit resistance, it's not a matter of if, but when. And when he faces resistance, he says, good, (laughs) it's an opportunity for growth. And so I realize people have faced all sorts of circumstances and I'm with you on the, we have to accept that not everybody has the same privilege that you and I do, but you just kind of have to start from where you're at and decide, you know, what's going to work for you, right? Use the things you have to learn about yourself and how you are called to show up in the world. And I think also you don't necessarily have to make it your business. Your art doesn't necessarily have to be something that pays the bills. You can do it. The founder of the Dilbert comic, he had a nine to five regular job for like a decade. He would get up at four in the morning and draw for five hours before work, before he became this famous illustrator. And so it's sort of like, what would you do if you could and nobody would judge you? And why are you worried about anybody's judgment? You're worth it. You're going to get to the end of your life. Don't have regrets that you wish you'd have taken more risks because they've studied this, right? They've asked people at the end of their life if they had any regrets. And it was like, well, they don't regret not answering enough emails and they don't regret that they didn't put in more work, but it's usually about personal relationships. And number two is all about taking more risk of the things that they really felt that spark, that energy to do, but they were afraid. And it's like, well, do it afraid. That's okay. You're (laughs) going to make it. You've gone through harder things. And so when you're ready to move forward, you just have to do it afraid. And that's where the word courage comes in, right? The root word core is Latin for love. So you just proceed with love. Courage acknowledges the fear and keeps moving forward. Totally. And really, that's what I hope to accomplish with this podcast, Next Simple Step. It's different for everybody, but we're on a marathon, not a sprint. So you don't have to have the whole journey figured out. It's just take one step at a time and keep moving forward with your calling, your creative ability. And I think that's what you're encouraging people to do every day. And so I'm wondering, you started as a therapist, you were helping people. How has that work in therapy impacted your work with helping unlock people to become unconventional leaders, to step into their own creativity? Is this recorded on video too? Yeah, but uh, we'll edit it. No, no. worries. I'm wanting it on video because I'm looking at the camera to emphasize my point right now. If you're watching on video, you can see this. (laughs) We'll keep this in there. All right. This is important. That 90, 90, 99% of the time, it is not an external issue that you're having. It is an internal one. We think it's this, 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 when it's something else. And it's usually something deep, deep within our heart, our spirit, our soul that needs to be addressed. The thing we think is the thing is not the thing. I say it constantly. So what I learned from being a therapist is that our whole lives 
our entire experience is one big invitation for therapy. (laughs) It's all therapy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like even my work is very tactical, but I spend most of my time on calls with clients, not talking about conversion rates or whatever. I'm talking about worth issues and competence, et cetera, even though I'm hired to do something technical. So that's nothing to hide from. It's nothing to be embarrassed about when you can realize that people who are, quote, killing the game, whatever game it is, are usually people who have done a lot of deep, deep inner work. And maybe that work isn't healthy work because there's some folks who run off of ego and trying to prove something and whatever. I'm not saying it's always healthy work, but there's some internal thing that they've gotten to that's helped them push past all the external stuff. So you can do that from a healthy way. You can do it from a non-healthy way, but it's all in an internal game. Yeah. And I think you'd recommend you do it the healthy way. But (laughs) the moral of the story there is it is a personal journey and the work you do is changing you as much as you're doing the work. It's a work on you. So I love that idea. And you know, I recently heard this story and it just kind of blew my mind, but it helped illustrate what we're talking about. Have you heard of this Biosphere 2 project in Arizona? So these scientists created this project to learn about the Earth's living systems. And they were playing around with farming and innovation and what's the perfect environment for things to grow. And the trees inside the Biosphere 2 grew more rapidly than they did outside the dome. But here's the key. They also fell over before they reached maturation because after they looked at the root system and the outer layers of bark, the scientists realized that a lack of wind caused a deficiency of stress wood. That's what they call it. Stress wood helps a tree position itself for optimal sun absorption. And it also helps trees grow more solidly. So without the stress wood, a tree can grow really quickly but it can't fully support itself. It can't stand normal wear and tear and survive. The trees needed stress in order to thrive. I can't think of a more beautiful illustration of You life. know your girls be making a video after this about that. That's awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> Look at that. That's up. cool. That's super cool, man. I got chills. Yeah. Chills. Totally. And it's like, don't give up. And also, basically, you just have to start with where you're at. So what advice do you give with somebody just starting out? They're wanting to take those courageous first steps out of the shadow, fully embrace their art, become an unconventional leader. What advice do you give them? Three things. Number one, I would shut off all outside content in whatever area you're wanting to grow in. So let's say you're a photographer. I would stop looking at other photos. If you are a podcast host, I'd stop researching Joe Rogan. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason is, is because we're comparing ourselves to somebody who's a million steps ahead of us. And usually that keeps us crippled because then we'll do a side by side. Now we're like, oh, I'm, I'm doing some research. This is inspiration. Are you? Are you? Or are we using this as an excuse? Now, when you get down the road a little bit, yeah, research, start digging in because you have those roots that you talked about. It's not going to shake you. You're not going to be like, well, I suck. I'm not going to do this anymore. You can look at it more analytically and actually use it to improve. So I say at the very beginning, don't look at outside people, except point number two, if you're really, really crippled with embarrassment and fear, I highly recommend finding somebody in your arena who you admire and scrolling back to the very, very beginning of their journey and looking at what they made at the very beginning. 
it's going to give you so much more confidence. So I did this with Lewis House. Ultimately, my goal is to have a show like his one day where he can just interview whoever. It's all in person. I love that. I scroll back to, and thank goodness he was generous enough to leave up his very beginning stuff. But if you scroll back to the very, very beginning, I mean, it's just like the left side of the ear type stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, dude, I mean, this is normal. Look what it happened with him, too. His thing is called the school of yeah. greatness, like the audacity of that. But it wasn't on day one. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, I love the word audacity. And then the third thing I would say is look at the tools in your hand and use them to their full extent. So usually we're looking at the next thing we need versus being faithful with what we already have. So if all you have is your cell phone, have you learned every setting in it, worn it out to its fullest capacity? Because I believe from a spiritual perspective that God comes in and meets you when you've exhausted everything. I don't think, you know, if people are like, oh, it's all God. And then some people are like, oh, it's all me. I'm like, it's this beautiful dance where you go to the very edge of the cliff and you're at the edge. And if you take one more step, you're done. Like you cannot do anymore. And that's when God steps in and goes, I'll take it from here. And he's able to move you through things because he's seen that you will exhaust everything. So look at the tools in your hand. Have you used everything to your fullest capacity. I promise you, if you step back and wait and you've done that, dude, something's going to happen. You're going to get a check for your next piece of equipment. Something's going to happen that's going to take you to that next level. Yeah. You've prepared, you packed the chute and the chute will open, but you got to jump. Yep. <laughs> Something I heard you say in another podcast, you were six years into creating content. And you looked at a six-year-old child and you realized like you didn't expect a six-year-old child to have it all figured out. So why are you judging your art at just six years in being fully mature? Why doesn't it compare to somebody that's been doing it for 20 or 30 years? Yep. And do you want the pressure of success too early? And you really think about that. Like you're like, oh yeah, man, I want, I want all the money. Yeah, man, I want all the followers. Yeah, man. Do you not realize that all of that comes with a price tag and there is a weight to that? To your point about the stress muscles, have we built up the muscles to handle the weight of stress? Maybe it's a gift that we're not where we quote want to be just yet because if we got there, it would break us. We have to trust that something else is at work. Yeah, you don't blow up too soon. You've talked a lot about your spiritual journey, and I thank you for that because I noticed you had a business podcast and you shut that down to investigate more spiritual things. And I've noticed this dichotomy, and maybe we're creating our own lane here because there's lots of successful business podcasts that I connect with. I could name them, but there's just so many great ones. And so I'm interested in entrepreneurship, and I talk a lot about that on this. There's things about psychology and mental health. And then there are spiritual podcasts and they all have their own lane. But I think where my unique ability, and I see it somewhat in you as well, as far as like, yeah, but we're actually not just our minds. We're not our bodies. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And so I think it's a blend of those things. It's mm -hmm. not an isolation. It's all connected. And I sense that in your work. I hope so. That's the road I want to go down. I think I've been scared to because... There's so much weight that comes with the spiritual side to stuff. And I've just avoided it, avoided it, and avoided it, even though I've secretly, privately loved that world. I mean, it's been in me since I was a kid, but it's been 
scary. Again, back to that resistance. Why am I feeling a lot of resistance talking about spirituality? It's easy for me to talk about a hack on whatever platform, but for some reason, having open conversations about God and asking questions and exploring that, what are people going to think? Or am I going to offend somebody? Offending people is my thing. Like, I was drilled in me from an early age about offense, and there's so much to unpack there. But that's been my big resistance is, oh my goodness, am I going to offend Paul? Is he going to think that I don't love God or that I'm not a Christian or whatever? So it's kept me really, really quiet about things. I know to my core, and I really had face-to-face with it at the beginning of this year, that I am literally denying my calling right now, not going into this world. So I'm not sure what it's going to evolve into, but it feels really good. Yeah. Well, I want to encourage you on that. You're not claiming to have it all figured out, right? You're on a journey and other people can evaluate for themselves if they share that perspective or they can learn things from you, but you're not trying to tell anybody else how to live. And I appreciate that you only speak for yourself. I do have that tendency where I want to tell everybody, you know, how they ought to live, but I I think that comes with growth <laughs> and maturity of realizing just to love people where they're at and be honest about where you're at. And so I appreciate you doing it afraid, being courageous and dipping into talking about what matters most. I think there're too many people, you know, it's not polite to talk about religion or politics at work and I feel like at the end of the day, there's so many people that are successful in business, but wondering what's the point (laughs) and they buckled down and they've been so financially successful, but money only gets you so far It buys conveniences, but it doesn't buy purpose. And it's my perspective that we all have a purpose problem and we're trying to fill that hole. And that's part of the discovery, right? Of figuring out like, what is your calling in the world and how can you fulfill your purpose? And certainly money helps. But if you just chase money without doing that self-investigation about figuring out what lies beneath your unique abilities and what you're called to do, you might miss the point with pursuing other things, whether you have the money or not. That's so good. Amen. Going to church today, Paul. Lord. (laughs) That wasn't the intent here. I think that's why I've resonated toward your content. So What's next for you? I know you've hosted quite a few podcasts over the time, but I feel like this is the one you're really digging into. But what are you most excited about moving forward for your own journey, for your unconventional leadership? Man, that's a beautiful question. I don't want to just like run past that because I can just sit here and name like bullet points and things that are coming up that I'm excited about. Well, let me, I'll buy you some time. Let me just say this because big fan. I mentioned before Julia Cameron's Artist Way, and she's got a practice in there called Morning Pages, which I'm a big believer in. And what it does is every morning, three pages of whatever comes to mind to kind of get beneath that surface level of all the things you got to get done today as a parent, getting ready for the holiday, whatever, it, you know, pay the bills, the work things, the email you got to return, all that stuff to get down to ultimately what is God trying to communicate to you through all the noise And if you don't stop and just get through that surface level, the easiest thing to do in the world is give a surface answer. We do that all the time. So I appreciate your instinct to say, well, you don't want to give a surface answer. Like what is actually on your heart? Like where, yeah, what do you actually want to do going forward? You know, it doesn't sound like you've arrived and this is it. Like Mm -hmm. you've got dreams. So what are they? 
I think feeling connected to God a little deeper through my work is something I'm starting to feel and I'm actually really excited about. It's been several years since I felt as connected to what I'm saying. And maybe it's just been, I have to, you know, I always, and I'm about to do a video on this. You have to use your voice to find your voice. You have to throw up stuff and get out and make things. And then you find what you're trying to say through execution and action. So I think it's taken this many years, but I feel like this is, you know, how sometimes you're just like, ooh, this is it. Something feels right here. I, I can feel hints of that. And I, I'm feeling more connected to God through that, which I'm excited about because I was having a really hard time with my faith for the past few years for another podcast conversation. <laughs> and so to finding some healing and being able to step into purpose again has just been really good. I'm really excited to work. I love all the people I work with, but there's been like a new wave of people coming in and I'm so grateful for it. And it's literally the folks I have been dreaming about since I started down this entrepreneurial path. I mean, literally to a T, what I used to dream about working with, the heart-centered, outside-of-the-box, creative, they're starting to come in. And there's almost a weight with that because I'm like, oh my goodness, I want these people to win so bad. So there's like a lot of pressure. But also, it's so exciting to feel connected to your work. So seeing where that leads, I'm really excited about. I'm excited about getting older. I know that sounds weird, but I'm going to be 40 in a couple of years. And I've been... Oh, you're so old, right? Everybody over 40 oh, is like... Hear oh, me out. Being... I'm, yeah. Maybe God's deal with this too. I don't know. You can tell me. But being a woman, I've been having all this narrative stuff come in of like, oh my goodness, I'm starting to see bags a little bit more under my eyes and I'm not looking as youthful and a lot of fear coming in just about vanity, about like your appearance and all of that stuff. And I've been really doing some deep work on that. Like, what does it mean to age and even age as a woman and getting excited about the position that it puts me in of hopefully wisdom in the next 20 years or so, redefining what beauty means and what strength means and what my role here as a woman. It's not to be this young, youthful, whatever. It's to hold power and strength and hopefully dignity and be able to just lean all the way into that. So there's something there with that that I'm exploring that I'm really excited about. And that's personal, but it's honest. No, thank you. I appreciate that. And I don't make light of that. I just turned 42 years ago. And it those nine years, they've proven this. At 29 and 39, people make big life-shifting changes. That. And I'm one of those people, right? That's, you know, 39 is when I got serious about going to the gym and getting physically healthy and mentally healthy and started the morning pages. Cool. I like changed everything. And for the better, I'm like, I'm going to grow old and growing wise is optional. <laughs> and so I look at older people that I really respect 20, 30 years down the road. And it's like, they're not trying to prove anything to the world. They're comfortable in their own skin. Isn't that cool? And it's awesome. It's amazing. And it's a little sad when you see an older person that is still insecure, trying to impress people. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you don't have anything to prove, man. You've made it. And just love people and do your thing. And so, you know, it's like, well, I don't have to wait to get old to do that. Like, let's start right now where we're at. And I see that you're on that journey as well. It's like, 
just use your privilege to the best of your ability and discover for yourself what it means to be faithful and love God. And would love to have you back and we do a deeper dive on the spiritual conversation. But I think it's true of everybody. You have to kind of grow up and decide what you believe for yourself, not just maybe what your parents taught you, but make it your own, right? What do you believe about God? If you believe that he's love, what does that mean? And we're called love God and love others. And I think to unpack that is a whole separate conversation, but I do happen to believe God was creative and an act of creation and he made us in his image to be creative. And that's what we've been talking about here. And so I know we talked about a job, but a job is just a thing you do. And I really love where we've come as far as you spend more than a third of your life at work. And so if you have the opportunity, you have the privilege, do work that matters to you, that you're able to use your unique abilities. And you might not be able to quit your job right now and dive in 100%, but what do you need to get curious about? And I would encourage you to check out Heather's podcast, Unconventional Leaders, because that's just a wealth of wisdom and lived experience. You can learn from the journey of others. And so Heather, thank you so much. Is there anything else that's coming to you that you'd like to share? Maybe somebody really wrestling with this idea of finding their own creative journey or taking that next step of faith. All right. So this is coming up for me with that. I have a note in my phone that says, we don't have to figure out our whole lives. We just need to know the next step in front of us. And so I have a running list that says the next step. And I look at this constantly. I get very overwhelmed with all the things I could do and should do and want to do because I'm a visionary and I have a lot of dreams and all that. And sometimes I get tangled up in it. And so quieting myself and asking, because if you ask, you will hear something what is the next step for me? If it's a big answer, if you get a big answer like start a podcast, go, okay, what's the next step to start a podcast and get down to the most micro boring thing that you can do today, something you can do today. And that is the only thing we're responsible for is taking that tiny today step and constantly asking what's next. Light into my path, When you have a flashlight, the light only shows you a couple of feet. We don't have to look a mile down the road. What's next? That's it. What a perfect ending. Thank you, Heather, for being on the next Simple Step podcast. All the questions. (laughs) Lord Jesus. And very thoughtful answers. Amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate you. 